Welcome to the Novice No Longer Podcast, episode 24. Coming up, how can internet marketing get you the things that you want and the lifestyle that you want? I talked to Scott Britton of Lifelong Learner about the empire that he's built and how he got to where he is today. But first, I want to talk to you a little bit about Trip Expert again. I mentioned this last week because this is the startup that I founded. It is officially live right now. It's guaranteed that if you are listening to this, you can go to tripexpert.com. And last week, I kind of told you what we were, which is like Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic before hotels. So instead of user reviews, we're based on professional expert reviews, the people that you actually trust. And our rankings are on point. They are awesome. And we're not only giving those to you, but we're also uh, making them available for other websites to incorporate and make their algorithms better. So it's it's going amazingly right now. We're having a blast with it and you should definitely check it out. But I want to briefly tell you about how I met my co-founder and how I got involved in this startup that we just launched and I just co-founded. And it was a couple of years ago and I had decided to go to a hackathon. And at this point, I had only made my way like halfway through the Rails tutorial. It's online, it's by Michael Hartle. And basically it walks you through making a Ruby on Rails application that kind of mimics Twitter. So it teaches you how to do that. And I got about halfway through and I got through a section that was on, uh, at the time it was called Bitter... Twitter bootstrap, but right now it's just called bootstrap because it's separated from Twitter. But basically what that is, is it's a set of CSS components. So these are style components for websites that let you really, really quickly kind of make a decent looking website. Now these days it's kind of overdone. Like if you see a website that's using bootstrap, it kind of, you can tell it looks like it's using bootstrap, but it was kind of new at the time. And this was a little kind of skill that I had picked up and I was like, I'm going to go check out a Hackathon and see what these are all about. And I had never done any coding, never any products or anything before, but I wanted to go check it out. So we were kind of milling around networking before the event and people were pitching their ideas. And my co-founder, Andrew, was pitching this idea for an alternative to TripAdvisor, which basically was an early version of TripExpert and that was going to be based on professional reviews rather than user reviews. And I heard the idea and I was like, that is a great idea. I can't believe this doesn't exist. So we ended up teaming up together and it was just the two of us and we worked on it for 24 hours straight. We got together a a semi-working version to present. And then we presented at our New York City hackathon and we were one of the top 10 finalists. We, we came in. It was super exciting. And they flew us all the way out to San Francisco to compete in the finals with a bunch of other cities. And it was just an amazing experience. And we didn't get uh, the top there, but we definitely put on a good show and it was great. And when we came back home, we, we just kind of parted ways. That's just how it ended up working out. He had a few other websites and projects that he was working on. And I was just starting to get involved in tech journalism. And our lives just weren't ready at that time to kind of match up and go for it. But a little bit later, after I had been at Laptop and then The Verge, and I had decided that tech journalism just wasn't the lifestyle for me, I, I was kind of thinking about different things that I could get involved in. And Trip Expert 
came to mind again. So I reached out to Andrew just to see what was going on with that and to kind of touch base and get back in contact with him. And it turns out that he had actually recently just picked up the project again himself. And he was working on the, he had already finished the back end. He was just working on the front end. And we met up for coffee and discussed what value I might be able to add to the business. And then we negotiated some terms and I decided to come on board. And that's kind of how things started. So we've been working on this. Um, He's been on it full time since November. I've been on it for a few months now. And there's about five or six contractors that we have. And it's going exceedingly, exceedingly well. And it is very exciting. It's very cool to see the finished product and to have it out there and to be chugging along on a completely new set of challenges and tasks that is growing a business from nothing into something. So it's going to be an amazing journey. And I'm going to share that with you as I go along. And sharing really is the name of the game. And it really goes into the person that I am interviewing on the podcast today. Because Scott Britton is is just a beast in terms of what he does and what he shares. He has a really interesting story. Like me, he found himself in a job in a career that just wasn't the right fit for him. And he got the entrepreneur bug. And that's that's how it starts and that's how it grows. So he shares exactly how he managed to grow from wanting to be an entrepreneur and building these products and teaching classes into where he is today, which he he moved overseas to Brazil for a while. He's just now back in the States. He has a lifestyle and a business that affords him to do the things that he loves and he's teaching, which he loves to do. And I understand that because I love to do it too. Like contacting, talking to you guys and having you guys email me and those interactions and teaching local classes like that. That's what does it for me. I love it. And he's passionate about it too. And we get to talk about all of that. This is an amazing interview. I know you guys are going to like it. I'm going to stop talking now. I'm going to jump right into the interview because like I said, it's quality stuff. And again, this is Scott Britton of Lifelong Learner. Enjoy. So Scott, welcome to the show. Dan, it is awesome to be here, man. I'm so excited to have you here. And you have a website, you have an empire, I guess, uh, called Lifelong Learner that I've been following for a really long time. But for anybody here that's listening that doesn't know what Lifelong Learner is, can you just share a little bit more about what Lifelong Learner is? Yeah, man. Um, so it's really, it's funny. It's really evolved. Um, the the So that is my current website. It's uh, where I just share all the things out there that I'm learning that can help people improve their business and their life. And it's really varied. It, it actually used to be a business development blog. Um, it started out because I thought I wanted to be a venture capitalist and some VC dude told me I had to have a blog. So I was like, oh crap, I need to get one of these up here. And I just, that domain that I like dreamed, had a dream that phrase was in it and it was the domain was available the next day. So I was like, cool. And it's funny because I, I guess I started working in startup business development in New York Tech, and I was just continually just sharing things that I was learning. So, like, the blog was like very focused on uh, business development strategies and ideas. And then I left uh, the New York Tech scene to go travel and got really heavy into online marketing. Uh, so now there's just like a ton of content on there uh, related to different marketing strategies and hacks and different life 
optimization stuff. And it's, it just keeps evolving, man. And, you know, the, I guess the core tenet is the same as, you know, I'm going out there learning cool stuff and sharing it in the hopes to inspire and improve others' lives. Yeah, and that's really interesting. I, I especially like that you kind of started the blog because a venture capitalist told you to. And I'm always interested to see like the very the origins of people's websites because I know a lot of the people listening to this right now don't have a website. And I, I encourage everybody, if you don't have a website, to go get one. But I think people are really like scared. They don't know what they're going to write, they're going to do. But these things change so much over time. And when you first launched, like, what were your first posts like? Like, how did you come up with the topics, and and how did it kind of grow from there? Man, I got to tell you, I'm so happy that you talked about this because there's no single thing besides maybe a mentor or two that I've had that have had such a profound impact on my career and the opportunities that have come from to me than my blog. And you know, I was like everybody else when I started out, man. I was like who the heck am I to give people advice, to talk about what I'm doing? I'm just some 22-year-old kid, hasn't done anything, barely can tie my shoes. And I got to be honest, like when I was starting to write content, I was very uh, hesitant to publish things because, again, I didn't feel that I had like solved cancer or anything else that warranted me sharing my ideas. And the first, the first couple of posts, man, I actually have these in a canned response in my email because I, I get this, I get this like conversation a lot um, where people say like, "Oh, I shouldn't, I can't blog, I can't blog," and I just like to bring up like how stupid my blog posts were. <laughs> That's uh, a so good idea. Save. Yeah. So the first one is called "Only Speak When," and basically it's like three paragraphs on like how you should only only speak. Uh, when you can actually like solve a problem versus just complaining about like what the situation is. Um, the second one is about how I made cookies in my co-working space to make friends and how that's like a great strategy for, you know, cause you move to a co-working space and there's like 50 companies there or everybody's heads down. You don't want to interrupt them while they're working to go around like, Hey, I'm Scott. Um, can I just like interrupt your coding real quick to shake your hand? Uh, but if you have cookies, like everybody and you're walking around, like everybody wants, everyone wants to be a part of that. So it's like a super low friction, natural way to meet people. And the third one was a personal forecast on group buying sites. So, I mean, this kind of runs the gamut. There's no like focus. It's just random things. And what I tell it, like a lot of people I think have this objection of like, well, I want to like really nail down my niche and like what my focus is going to be and all that stuff. And my URL has to be perfect. And they wait like months to get started. And it's just like a giant excuse fest. And ultimately like, I still don't know what the heck my niche is outside of like sharing cool things that I'm learning. And like, if I waited to find the perfect bucket and whatever you want a container to put my content in, like I would have never gotten started. So I just encourage people to just like start writing about your ideas. You'll, as you get a sense for your voice, as you get a sense for what you like, what people are responding to, then you can really narrow down on, on what types of stuff you'd like to put out in the world. But man, like do not let all of those, all that type of self-talk prevent you from just getting going and starting to write. Yeah, and that's so true, especially I've seen in terms of paralysis that people have because 
especially people that don't have a blog yet or haven't really started, they're kind of trying to find their way and they're reading all of these sources. And it feels like with every new article you read, with every new podcast, sources like my podcast and your podcast too, which is fantastic. And we're going to talk about a little bit, but um, listen to the sources and then just do it anyway and don't get it perfect and make the mistakes and then just grow and expand as you're doing it. Totally. And guess what? Like all these people that you see out there that are doing this stuff, like nobody knows with certainty, like what the hell they're doing. Like I'll be real, like with my podcast, with like my Facebook group, all this stuff, like I have a few other projects. I'm flying by the seat of my pants, just trying to figure it out. Like everybody else, um, you know, like I still get butterflies when I, I like hop on a call, whatever, like, you know, the, the only thing that alleviates those feelings and gets you feeling confident, uh, is, is actually just doing it. Um, so don't, don't wait till it's perfect. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about how you got to where you are today. Cause it's such an interesting story. And I actually first met you, I was a student in one of your classes and we both were teachers on Skillshare and I took your class on life hacks. Uh, at the time I was teaching a class about building apps and a, I just remember like really enjoying the class and kind of following along from there. But you've, you've had a long storied history. I was reading your about page on your blog. How did you kind of grow into where you are right now? It's a long so, story. I know it's a big question. <laughs> well, my mom, and my dad met. <laughs> um, so I'd say like professionally, uh, I've kind of taken this mindset that I call the utopian mindset. And basically the idea is that try to figure out, try to make an educated hypothesis on whatever you think the coolest job situation, uh, career, like aspiration is, and then run directly towards that. And then as soon as you realize that you're not happy or that there's something else out there that's more enticing, like fail fast, like change it up, go and run towards that next thing. And I think as young people, like the, the best thing that we can do is actually understand ourselves and what we like and what we don't like and what the ideal situation is for us, quote unquote, our utopia as it ter- comes uh, in terms of our career and like versus like making a lot of money or having a special title or rising up to a certain point. Because truthfully, like I want to get to what I love doing my best, like personal career fit as fast, fast as possible so that I can spend the most amount of time there uh, because that'll make me happiest. That'll allow me to achieve mastery soonest and ultimately allow me to do the most cool things because when we're happy, we're producing our best work. Um, so with that in mind, I guess like this is like a preface to my Mexican jumping bean of a career. I started out uh, working as a sports agent that represents pro baseball players. And I thought that Jerry Maguire was like the coolest movie ever. And, you know, running around with some of the most talented athletes ever, basically being a salesman, uh, in that, in, within that like context would be like the coolest thing ever. And I learned, I learned like really fast that that sucked. And I think five months in, I read the four hour work week. I was like, dude, okay, I need to go somewhere where the sky's the limit, where I'm surrounded by more like-minded people than, you know, 18 year old kids who just got a fat signing bonus. And entrepreneurship was like the place that I saw that. And I, I, I like basically cold called some kid I went to college who I read a New York times story in who had a startup 
uh, and convinced him to allow me to work for him as basically an intern. And I spent eight months there. And I think like everybody, when they get into the startup scene is like, if this guy can do it, I, I can do it. And I decided to like, I was like working on my own companies at night, like, you know, just like four months after getting into the startup scene. And I had an opportunity to basically like a bunch of guys in New York wanted to fund me to start a software company. And so I did that. And like six months in, that was called Sifter. It was essentially a, a like social news uh, application where, you know, most popular articles on Twitter are shared to you. I mean, it was not groundbreaking idea, <laughs> but you know, you realize like you do that and you're like, holy hell, uh, starting like, so there's a difference between like building a product and starting a company and a real business. And like, there's a huge difference. And, uh, I learned like really, really hard that, uh, I was not ready to successfully start a business or company. And I really was craving mentorship. I got connected with, um, I was just like an insane, like a huge networker. Uh, I think when I was in New York tech scene and I think there's really like no faster way to get where you want than people like people is the bridge more so than skills to getting anything. And uh, I got connected to these guys, a single platform, uh, which was a SaaS company for local businesses and publishers. And we were looking to, they're looking to bring on their first non-executive business development hire. I went down there. I met the, the team. They were just absolute savages. The CEO, Wiley Sorelli, amazing guy, Kenny Herman, um, a mem- another member of the exec team, absolute studs. And I, I truthfully, uh, thought they would be amazing mentors. I think they were like the best sales and business development guys in New York City. And so I spent a year and a half working from them and really learning their craft and like doing essentially large uh, API relationships with some of the world's biggest publishers. So like everybody from Google to Facebook to, you know, Yahoo, Bing, TomTom, TripAdvisor, Foursquare. Uh, And it was funny, like on the side... I was just writing about all these like hardcore biz dev tactics that I was learning and people were like really, really liking it because nobody ever really talked about that stuff online, it seemed like. And um, I I guess, did you know that I applied for a job at Skillshare? Yeah, I think we talked about this before and they told you to teach a class to get to know the platform better or something. I, I vaguely remember that as a story. Yeah, man. So I guess like I kind of like just to backtrack a little bit, it was basically down to like Skillshare or single platform in terms of where I was going to work. And Skillshare told me I had to teach a class. And for those of you that aren't familiar, Skillshare is like this online course platform that what used to be in-person classes. Oh, it's so good. It's ter- it, I don't like I, it's not good for me now, but it was so great back then. Yeah, I mean, it was such a cool idea. And it's a shame that it's not more of a viable business. But uh, yeah, like they were like, okay, you have to teach an in-person class. And again, kind of like the blog, it's like, who the hell am I to teach a class? So like, what am I good at? Well, productivity. So I, I started teaching this like life hacks productivity class that you went to. And that made me realize like, oh my gosh, I can monetize my information. Uh, I love teaching. Uh, and like, so I was like teaching these like life hacks classes while I was at single platform, like every couple of weeks, once a month to, and it was funny. I was like, okay, first, 
first I'll, you know, teach this like two hour class for 10 bucks. Then I was like, wow, like, I wonder if I can charge 15 bucks. And, you know, by a year into my time at single platform, I was doing a biz dev class. I was doing a life hacks class and I was charging 30 bucks and like 25 to 30 people would show up. And I was making like, you know, $900 for like two hours of work. I was like, this is insane. Um, and Skillshare actually decided to bring like some teachers like online and do this like online class. I was like, that's cool because like instead of 25 to 30 people, I can reach you know, way more people. So I put together some online classes uh, on Skillshare. I then like, there's another site called Udemy that I was like, oh, I can throw these up on there. And basically, you know, by like when it was time for me to leave single platform, I had a couple options. Um, and, and I guess like I didn't talk about this, but the company sold for a hundred million dollars and, um, I stuck around for like, yeah. So we sold for a hundred million dollars. Um, and we had, you know, my, my team was two people and we had done over a hundred business develop or I'm sorry, like 300 business development deals. Uh, that was like a huge factor in the, in our acquisition. It felt really, really awesome to get that win. And I stuck around for a year after that. Um, that's, that's how a lot of the, a lot of the exits work in tech startups. You're like incentivized to, to stay around for a year financially. And when it came time to leave, I was like, okay, I can go and do another tech startup. I can, or I can like go like run biz dev at another startup. I can go and, uh, go try to start a company. And I was classic, like with a guy at the company, like working on ideas in a, in a conference room and <laughs> during our meetings, uh, during our work days, or I had these friends who were like, I'm, we're moving to Brazil and you should come. And I was like, dude, well, I'm making like enough passive income off of all these courses I have online to go live abroad. And that was honestly the most exciting thing to me at that time. So I left New York City, uh, I guess it was 10 months ago. I moved to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And I just like spent a lot of time down there first, like chilling out, working on other parts of my life and uh, making this money off these courses I had online. And then I guess it was... So I kept producing content on lifelong learner. And then I guess like six months ago or like three or four months ago, I started to get serious about, uh, business again and came out with this podcast, uh, started, put a bunch more, uh, courses. Uh, I launched an ebook, which became a bestseller in like a couple of weeks and got really like deep into online marketing. And, you know, now I've like moved back to the States and, I have like, it's pretty cool. I have this kind of, I built like a bunch of different online revenue streams um, through courses and books. And I do some like coaching with a few people that I really, really want to work with. And uh, it pretty much allows me to like live and work wherever and ultimately like focus on something bigger. So you you had mentioned that when you were in New York, you were a, a big networker, and that's the people are like the best way to to learn things, to advance yourself, to get into certain situations. Just knowing people and networking. Now, how do you network? Because I know that it doesn't come naturally for a lot of different people, myself included. So when you're saying that you're networking, like how do you meet people? What do you say to them? What are you asking? Like how how are you doing this? 
Yeah, so the whole uh, mindset with networking is how can I make people that I'd like to bring into my life lives better? And it's, it's Keith Ferrazzi. Just, I took it from him. I read his book, Never Eat Alone, which I highly recommend to anybody. And it's, you know, look to provide value to others that you want in your life and don't expect anything in return. So I would go out. I was, I was like cold emailing people. I was going to events. I was, every time I met with somebody, like asking like anybody else cool that I should meet. And I would just go and I would just make the conversation entirely about them. So we'd grab coffee and I like, so what are you working on? Cool. Like, how'd you get into that? That's awesome. Like, what are your biggest challenges? Who, what are, who are the type of people that you're looking to connect with? And at first, like, I didn't have anything cool to offer these people. I was just like Joe Schmo, uh, intern at a startup that didn't really have like a ton of connections or uh, ideas or any, any like ways I could provide value to these people. Uh, but like, as I met more and more people, I just started connecting people and really like the currency of the value for me was just like other people that I was meeting being the bridge. So I did that for just a really long time. And like things that you can like things, other ways you can provide value to people is like everyone out there is looking for feedback. Like anybody who's working on anything wants to get better. So you beat your ability to provide feedback is another great thing. Like people are always looking for volunteers and free help. Like I've helped a ton of people for free. Uh, everything doing from like events to man, just like writing for them, editing, like all kinds of stuff. Um, so, you know, the general mindset there is like figure out who you want to meet and see how you can make their lives better. Uh, and don't really expect a whole lot. And eventually like you, you, you create enough good karma for yourself and that person will want to help you. Yeah, that, that's, that's very true. And that's the perfect way to look at it, is how you can help people and whether that's you offering to help them yourself or introducing them to somebody who the relationship would be mutually beneficial for both parties. It's just, it's all about helping the other people. Totally, man. I mean, there's this, there's this very, um, have you ever read Robert Cialdini's book influence? Yes, definitely. Fantastic. Yeah, book. So, I mean, amazing book. Uh, probably, probably top five books that have had an impact on the way that I think about the world. And one of the key concepts in there is this idea of the law of reciprocity, where basically any time that you do something for somebody else, they feel this need subconsciously to reciprocate. So like when you're going out and you're making like all these people's lives better, uh, they feel this, this desire to like make your life better in turn. And I've found that to be true in my own life. And you, you establish a, to go ahead and bring up another book, a give and take, which is a book by Adam Grant, where eventually like that's how friendships form, right? Where you're exchanging value back and forth. Uh, and this can be just in like ideas and time together and friendship, whatever it is. It's not just like pure transactional, like how can I, how can we progress each other's lives? Um, and you know, that, that is like how you establish like a great relationship, a friendship and ultimately like mentorship. Um, it's, you know, starts with you providing value, then providing value to you. And before you know it, you can call this person anytime and they're willing to help. Mm -hmm. So with your online classes, you had mentioned that you were teaching the local, the in-person class, and then Skillshare wanted you to bring that online. So you produce some content online. 
how did you create that content? Like, what was the process like? Uh, and did you did you just digitize the classes you were already teaching? And how did you know what new content to create from there? Sure. So I think the beauty of like doing an in-person event is it allows you to get live feedback. And I was doing this life hacks class and one of the very popular sections of the class was the sleep section. And I talked about different ways that you could optimize your sleep. So ultimately you could feel your best, have the most energy and even increase the amount of time that you spend in bed, which is actually something that uh, my personal viewpoint has changed and I'm, I'm actually trying to sleep more these days. We can talk about that if you want. But I was like, okay, well, people seem really interested in the sleep topic, so I'm going to create a sleep hacking course. And truthfully, like, I had, I had done a lot of reading about it. I had done some self-experimentation, but dude, I am not a PhD in sleep. Like, I don't have, you know, whatever credibility that would make somebody like say like, oh yeah, like if there's one person out there in the world to teach a sleep hacking course, it's going to be this guy. Uh, I just, I just basically like took what I knew, took what I experimented on myself and went out and read a bunch more on different topics and curated like the absolute best guide, in my opinion, that was available on the topic and made a giant, like logistically what it was, was a giant PowerPoint of all of this stuff broken out into logical sections. And, uh, then I just recorded myself like talking over the ideas in that and using a software called ScreenFlow. And that was basically it, man. Um, so I'd never taught that class in person. I put it up. Um, it was very successful because like that topic is pretty interesting to people and it, you know, it continues to be a great source of revenue for me um, across all those sites. So I think to sum that up, like, I think the best thing you can do is like find a quick way to get feedback on different topics. You might be knowledgeable. This could be teaching in person. This could be emailing friends, uh, see what the feedback is and then go from there. Yeah. Cause you gotta, you gotta see what people want and then, pr- so you, uh, actually create the right content for them. And you were able to do that by teaching the local class and seeing what was the most interest in, but there, there's so many different ways of doing that. Absolutely. And, you know, like we said, Skillshare doesn't have an in-person class platform anymore. So like other ways you could replicate that idea, if that's something that's interesting to you is, you know, Eventbrite is a platform that allows you to host in-person things. Meetup.com, like go ask to like speak at somebody else's meetup about a particular topic. So what I'd say is like, you know, make it super low barrier for people to come make it like five bucks. You don't want to make it for free because people, nobody will actually have any skin in the game, but teach it in person and using one of those things and and see what people say and follow up everybody afterwards. Now I do want to ask you about sleeping more because that's interesting. But while we're on this topic, I had a question for you because you actually did, you organized uh, with a, a few different people a meetup through meetup.com that was the personal development meetup that was really interesting and you guys all kind of got together and spoke and I kind of wanted to talk to you because you've had experience both offline with teaching local classes as well as online and I wanted to see kind of where you saw them connecting because obviously online you get more of a a reach and you can reach more people but how important is it to kind of foster the local community to you or is that more of like a learning platform for launching off to the other stuff for you? 
I mean, I think it has great value. Um, I'll say this, like the type of relationships you build with people when you interact with them on a, on a face-to-face basis are much stronger than some guy who's taking your course halfway across the world. So like I have, if we, if we, if we call it, look at like the density of people that I've taught, there's much more people that I've met in person that are like friends, acquaintances, like friends, uh, people that like email me often feel more comfortable connecting with me. Um, and you, you know, are you, are you familiar with the concept of like a thousand true fans? Uh, yes. That was written by, Oh, what's his name? The, the founder of the music company, right? CD baby. Was that it? Or am I thinking of something else? So I think he brings it up, but I don't think he wrote it. But the concept is, is like, basically, if you have a thousand people that you've provided enough value to in your life and that you have a good enough relationship with, you basically can, if these people will buy anything that you sell, uh, you can do whatever you want with their life. Like you will always be able to have a six figure income. And I'd say like, the number of people that I taught in person, like those were like my original, like true. And I hate to, I hate this word, but I guess true fans, because we had that, it's like such a deep bond spending like two hours in a room together, then talking afterwards for a half hour. And so like, I think it's a great idea. I think in terms of like, uh, I also think it's a great way to learn. Like I always tell people like, if you're going to do a sales pitch initially for a new product, like go meet with people in person if you can, so you can see the reactions on their faces when you talk about specific things. Cause you can't get that in a phone conversation or a online class or whatever it is. Uh, so you get that type of like data gathering to improve your stuff. But you know, eventually like in terms of like, uh, financial opportunities like the biz the online stuff is just like way bigger obviously because of scale but also because people are willing to pay more for digital assets for whatever reason like if you you said like oh here's this like 50 dollar two-hour class that you have to like go and show up a room and hear this dude talk 50 dollars if you're not like reed hoffman a lot of people aren't going to pay that however if you put something online for whatever reason, maybe because people can consume it on demand or whatever it is, like they actually are more willing to pay that money for somebody that they don't know, which is pretty counterintuitive. Uh, but I find to be true. Hmm. Now for somebody that is so productive, uh, it really intrigued me that you said that you're trying recently to sleep more. So I do want to ask you about that. Um, now is it sleep more in like one go because I know a lot of the sleep tactics kind of like break your sleep cycle up. What what are you doing with sleep these days? Yeah, so I'm basically trying to get eight hours, and the number one reason is because sleep is probably the most important variable in our testosterone production. So uh, for me, like I am trying to <laughs> uh, whatever we'll go here. I'm trying to maximize my testosterone because. As a man, like it has incredibly high, incredibly high like correlation to your energy, your confidence, your sex drive, how easy it is for you to put on muscle and naturally burn fat. It's like a very scalable way. Like increasing your testosterone basically like increases all of these parts of your life that are important to me. So, like when I was sleeping 
less than six hours a night, still being very productive. Uh, I got, I was, I got my testosterone tested and it actually like had really dropped. And I think it was a combination of stress, sleep. I mean, I was eating a diet that was conducive to high testosterone and I changed that variable and it has been increasing and I do feel better. And I think like what I've learned is like, it's great to be like pro a prolific productive person, but you always have to ask yourself like at what cost. And for me, like the most important thing these days is feeling good uh, and my physiology and having like an abundance of energy at all times. And I actually would say that I feel better now getting a full eight hours. And like I take stuff to force myself to get that. I take these pills called ZMAs, which are zinc, magnesium, zinc and magnesium pills, which help you sleep, um, sleep deeper. And it's also another, you know, kind of thing that's shown to increase testosterone. Um, yeah, just because like, I want, you know, I want all the, I want to really like maximize that variable. Um, so that's, that's kind of why I slept, I sleep, I try, I'm trying to sleep more these days. Uh, and you know, like so far I'm, I'm pretty pumped about what I'm still pumped about what I'm able to get done. Uh, given the fact that I feel so much better. Yeah. And I also find that when you're healthier and sleeping more and eating healthier and working out, you're, you're more productive in the hours that you are awake and more focused. So you may be losing like an extra hour or two of sleep, maybe more if you don't sleep that much, but you're, you're more than making up for it and what you're able to accomplish. And just in terms of where your mind is able to go to focus the, the steer, the direction of your business or your projects or whatever you're working on. Totally, man. Like I was listening to an interview about um, flow state yesterday, and it, the idea is that you can get in this like this this place where you're just in flow, and you can un- unlock like your subconscious mind, and it's easier for you to re- that means it's easier for you to recognize parent patterns and connect dots. With- is like the source of creativity. And yeah, I, mean, I find it like so much easier to get into like a natural flow state where I can have like breakthrough ideas when I am well rested. And when I'm not, it's just like I'm dragging and I'm not coming from a place of just living in the creative spark. So interesting. And yeah, I, I've seen the same thing too, because I've, I've recently started to like eat healthier, work out more, and it definitely, it has a tangible impact. It really does. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's one of the biggest mindsets for me that's changed in, since my time in New York city and then, you know, getting my head out of the weeds and going and living in a foreign country is that there's no more important thing than your physiology, like how you treat your body, how you feel, how you nourish it. If like that start, that is the starting place for everything. And I used to like be one of these people that would like sacrifice working out at, for the sake of like, Oh, I, you know, I have this like extra work project I can do like career progression. Like I'm going to skip this or I'm going to eat a crappy lunch or I'm going to, you know, only get five, five and a half hours of sleep or whatever it is. And like all this stuff's going to add up to me being more successful because I'm getting more time in my day. Like, and like now I will like not I will not sacrifice anything in the health and wellness department. Uh and this ranges from a full night's sleep to like eating incredibly healthy meals uh and even like meditation 
for the sake of work output because it's at the end of the day, like life's about feeling good. You want to feel good for as long as possible. And that can be everything from happiness to energy and your ability to, to just live a vibrant, joyous, productive life is focused on that. And so like who gives a crap if you can, you know, get done your email an hour faster. If, if you're, you know, sacrificing going to the gym or whatever it is. Mm. Yeah, and this kind of brings us nicely into the next topic that I wanted to talk about, which is your podcast, The Competitive Edge, which, among other things, you do talk about health and wellness and anything you can do to give yourself the the competitive edge over other people. So tell me a little bit about The Competitive Edge and why you launched the podcast. Yeah, totally, dude. Um, So I do this exercise where... I ask myself a series of questions every two weeks and just to kind of like make sure that the things that I'm doing are in alignment with like what I want for my life. And one of the questions I ask myself is like, what can I do to create like a break, uh, like a breakthrough in my business? And, you know, at the time I was like focused on creating these email funnels. So like when people signed up for my email list, they would get like a bunch of awesome emails over the course of 10 weeks or whatever it is. And I was just like tweaking them and optimizing them. And I had been doing this for like three weeks. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Like, this is so not high leverage. This is like, if I have the best email sequence ever, no one's going to be like, yo, this like, that's, like it just wasn't going to create a breakthrough in my business. So uh, I, I thought about like the different types of projects that I could do that would be um, potentially you know different and more high leverage. And it was like, okay, write a, write a, like a real book, like a body of work versus like the book that I have now um, or a podcast or start a software company or whatever it is. And at the time, the thing I was most excited about was a podcast. And I wanted to create a podcast that was like the podcast I wanted for myself. And so, you know, there's a lot out, there's a lot of like niche podcasts out there. And I think that's like a really good idea if you have like a product to sell or you're just like insanely passionate about one particular thing, like marketing or paleo or whatever it is. But for me, like, dude, I'm passionate about living an awesome life uh, in all aspects and having abundance in health, wealth, relationships, um, you know, finances, all of this stuff. And that's like the podcast I wanted to create. Uh, so, and I, and I love, I love like, I think the best way that we can learn is to see how people that have done exceptional things in whatever their discipline is or whatever they've been able to achieve have, have been able to do that and really like codify that. And that's what I wanted to bring to the masses is just like, interviewing and having conversations with world-class experts and achievers and trying to pull out the specific things they've done to get an edge in their business, their life, whatever it is that we talk about. And that, that's kind of the theme of the show. And it's been a blast, man. I have to tell you, like podcasting is really, really fun. And it's a great way to go out and build relationships with cool people, build closer relationships with your listeners I cannot recommend it high enough. So how long, it, it's still brand new. Now you're creating a ton of content. Um, so I was going to ask, like, how long has it been out and how, how often are you posting each week? 
So it's been out, uh, I guess like six weeks and I originally started off posting five times a week. And the reason that that is, is that iTunes has this section called new and noteworthy. Yeah, exactly. You're featured for eight weeks. So like you really want to maximize your positioning on that so that the, to, to take advantage of organic discovery on, on iTunes so that the most amount of people who don't know you can find you through iTunes. And like the way, the way that, that the way that the new North noteworthy section works is the number of, they rank it on like velocity of new downloads. And the easiest way to get new downloads is just to produce more content in my eyes, uh, especially if you don't have like a massive email list. So I was like going at like five, five days a week. Uh, and I, I pre-recorded like 20 episodes before I launched. So that gave me like a four week head start. And now I've like scaled back to three, honestly, because I moved back to the U S my parents, I spent a week with them. Uh, I, I did a four day road trip where now I'm in Las Vegas right now. And so it's been hard to like get these interviews and be at that pace and produce really, really high quality stuff for five days a week. But I'm going to try to do three days a week. And then after the eight week, eight week period is over, you know, I'm going to see like, does it make sense to do three days a week? Does it make sense to do one day a week? What are my goals for myself for this podcast? Uh, and kind of a t- calibrate with that. Yeah, that's so interesting because that, that's one thing that I didn't do is I kind of just launched with the first episode and then I was producing one a week. I, I really, looking back, I didn't look at how to launch a podcast really well. And I still did get in new and noteworthy and that was fantastic for the weeks that I was featured on there. But afterwards it, it dropped off a little bit and then I'm slowly like growing back up to where I was. But, um, it, it's so interesting. And I, the one thing that I hear from people just to, that I talk to about podcasting is that they say I should do more than once a week, like maybe two, maybe three, that that's their suggestion. So j- just for you to look at, I definitely would hope I, I would want to up this to more episodes if I had the, the time to do that. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's, I agree with podcasting. It's a fantastic experience. Yeah. And the way to, and, and so like, I'll say this to people listening, um, the way to produce content at scale is to create a system, uh, for your podcast. So like when I started out, it was like, Oh oh my gosh, there's like a zillion different things in the process. And now like I basically can step up to the mic, have a conversation and from like start, let's say it's like a 45 minute conversation from time of starting the conversation to a high piece of high quality piece of audio with uh, a special piece of cover art, a transcription, a blog post, uh, this uploaded on multiple platforms. Like the whole process takes an hour and 15 minutes from start to finish. And that's really not that much time. That's like four hours a week to produce three episodes. And the reason that I'm allowed that I'm able to do that is because I spent a ton of time on creating the system that would allow me to do that and creating, you know, connecting with people to outsource various parts of the process. And honestly, man, like now that that system is created, like whatever I want to do, like, let's say I wanted to go start a software company in a particular vertical, like the hard part's over. So I could just like start cramming, like cranking out content, uh, for a new style podcast, like tomorrow. 
um, for whatever vertical and just use like the massive marketing arm of Apple to support that and grow that rapidly versus starting from scratch. And so like the big friction is really the setup, but like once you get that setup down, it's, it's very, it's very easy to just start, you know, churning stuff out. Yeah, that, that's so great. And you, you talk a lot about systems on your website, which uh, if people want to learn more about this or they want to find you on the web, how, how is the best way to find you, contact you? Yeah, man. So my site's Lifelong Learner, and that's life-longlearner.com. Uh, Twitter, it, my handle's Britton, which is my last name, B-R-I-T-T-O-N. Hit me up on there. We can have a little Twitter dialogue. And yeah, I'd say like go on iTunes and search the competitive edge and you can listen to the podcast, which is, which is, you know, probably the thing that I'm having the most fun with right now. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show and sharing all the stuff that you've got going on and how you're doing it. It's been fantastic. Thanks for having me, man. And I got to tell you, you have a great voice for this. Oh, thank you very much. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Sounds good, bud. There you have it. If you have enjoyed this, and I know I have enjoyed this, please do me a favor. Go on to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review. I love reading the reviews. Like I wake up in the morning, I check them. If I have a new one, it just makes my day. I love it. So say hi, say if you like it. And until next week, have a good one.